Independent Business Podcast is brought to you by HoneyBook, the all-in-one platform for anyone with clients. Book clients, manage projects, and get paid faster all with HoneyBook. You can use the code podcast to get 20% off your brand new account and let business flow your way. We know as business owners that first impressions are everything, and having a strong brand can play a key role in your business success. In fact, research shows that having a brand that is consistent increased revenue by up to 20%. So today on the podcast, we brought in Burnell Westbrook, who is the owner and lead designer at Branded by Burnell, and we talk about the ROI of intentional branding. Having a good brand goes beyond a good logo, and Burnell shows us how having an intentional brand can lead to sustainability in our business. Hey everyone, this is your host, Akua Kanadu, and you're listening to the Independent Business Podcast. More people than ever are working for themselves and building profitable businesses in the process. So on this show, I get to sit down with some of the most influential authors, entrepreneurs, and creators to break down the science of self-made success so that you can achieve it too. Hello, Brunel. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show today. How are we doing? I am good, and I am so excited to be here and to be interviewed by you. Can't wait. So many Can't goodies. Wait. So many goodies. Uh, fun fact, everybody, Burnell is my personal branding designer. <laughs> she brand my personal business, Akua Kanado as a storytelling strategist, and she also branded my second business, Aman Akua. So I, when I wanted to talk about the ROI of intentional branding, I knew that, Burnell, you would be the perfect person to do this because just walking through with you with my own personal journey and creating the brand that I have now that I absolutely know and love and I that I'm actually seeing the return of investment in, I knew that you had to be here on the show to talk about that. So I'm super excited. And this is going to be a fun, fun conversation. So let's just hop on in. When you hear the term intentional branding as a website designer, a brand designer, what does that mean to you in your business? Yeah, that's a great question. As soon as I hear the word or the term intentional branding, I think strategy. Like that's instantly what comes to my mind. And and an active like work and effort that's going into your brand that's not passive, right? So you're not taking a passive approach to how other people are perceiving your brand. And then the next step in intentionality, I think of how can we establish credibility and then authority in your market? Um, in order to get those results. Because when someone trusts you, they will spend money with you. So that's kind of my thought and my approach with intentional branding is so much bigger than just the visuals. Um, outside of the visual component, you have the voice component, the values, the vision, and, and all of the work that goes into why we're using those visuals. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. I love what you said too about um, you know it not being passive. I just think about with my prior brand before I rebranded with you, I was absolutely being passive within that. I, I truly did not take the time to, number one, I outgrew my brand, which I think a lot of us as business owners, we already know when it's that time. But there were certain areas within my brand that went beyond you know the aesthetics where I was extremely passive or I wasn't just spending that much time and stuff and my business paid for it. So I love that. It's like you're not allowing things to be passive. You're taking that time to Again, we already know that there's so many different components to branding and you're taking that time to be intentional with each one, whether that be your messaging, you know, yeah. your values, you know, um, your identity. So I love that. I think that's just such an important reminder. And so what are some ways that we can really, I guess, audit our brand to get a better understanding um, just where we are at? Like what questions should we be asking ourselves or 
how do we get a better understanding of how people also perceive our brand? Excellent. I think enough people don't ask that question. <laughs> how can we see how our customers are perceiving our brand? Because obviously perception is a big deal. We perceive our brand, like we designed it. We know the intention behind it. Mm -hmm. We know why we placed this here. We know what we mean when we wrote this catchy little phrase. We know the story behind it, but our, that doesn't always translate, right? Like our customers don't know why we chose blue or why we chose pink. And so one of the ways that I review that is number one, asking, um, just ask the question, right? Go to where your target audience is. So if that's going to be in Facebook groups that are about your niche, whether that's going to be on your Instagram stories, whether that's going to be to your email list, um, or even to just your past clients, ask them those questions. What did you think of my brand before you met? How did you, what attracted you to my brand um, you know, before talking to me, because a lot of times as business owners who have personal brands, our personality can kind of sell it, <laughs> but I like to always know like what attracted it, what were you attracted to before you sat down and talked to me? Um, and then what was your first touch point with my brand? So was it Instagram? Was it a referral source? Was it a Google search? Knowing where people came from and like really knowing your customer acquisition metrics is so important because we can be pouring all of this effort into you know, SEO or into our websites. And really a great majority of our clients are coming from word of mouth or a great majority of our clients are coming from social media. So some of the tools that I use to do those customer acquisition assessments are Google Analytics, as well as the native analytic tools that are inside of Instagram and Facebook. Like I want to know where they're coming from and what they're clicking on and how much time they're spending on that. Because where someone spends their time tells you what they value. Mm, yes, I love that. And I think that is so, so important. And I just had a really humbling experience with that just the other day. I just ran a survey for myself because I'm kind of leaning more into passive income and really just trying to. So I decided, okay, I'm going to give people exactly what they want. In my personal mind, I have been like, you know, I'm really burned out with courses. I don't really, you know, I feel like they're kind of played out, whatever. And then I was like, all right, let me actually ask my audience because I made this assumption. And it was because yes. I didn't remove myself <laughs> from my own personal brand, right? Like I had to take myself out of the equation, ran the survey. Every single person that answered said how they like to learn is through courses. So though the fact in my own mind that I thought, okay, people don't want that. And to me, I'm like, oh, people are burnt out from, I made all of these assumptions that weren't necessarily fact. I asked my audience and they gave it to me where I just was like, oh, I, I was completely wrong in what I thought my audience wanted. So I think, again, we underestimate how powerful it is to really just ask the question because they'll tell you, especially if you ask the right questions, it'll be very, very clear what your audience wants from you. And again, it really, now I'm shifting things with my brand internally of like, all right, since they asked this, these are what my next steps are going to be to be able to provide that. So I loved the questions that you just shared of how we can really get a better understanding um, about our about our audience, like what I love the question, what is the touch point when you first interacted with my brand? I think that is so key and it's going to give you such a great percent, like other, give you such a great insight of how people perceive your brand. So, just so, so valuable. Another question that I have is, you know, what are some key components that we need to be implementing um, to be able to create a successful brand strategy? Yes. Um, so, the big four, if you're taking notes at home, I'm big on like, bullet points. So the big four key components are going to be your core identity, really knowing who your ideal client is, your brand personality development, 
and then your positioning. So a little bit about each one of those, your core identity, we're talking about your purpose, your mission statement, and your values. So I like to summarize that as your big why. If somebody asks you, take money out of the equation, why do you feel like you're providing this service? Why do you feel like you're the right person to provide this service? That's going to kind of go back to your core identity and kind of what the purpose is, right? Um, and then you take that purpose and you say, who is that purpose for? which takes you into your ideal client. So this is where we want to do that market research. This is where we want to send out those quizzes and those assessments. Learn their challenges. Like, what are you actually struggling with in your business, right? Um, not yourself, but your ideal client. You want to know about their fears and their desires. So what is something that you're worried about happening? And then what is something that you hope, best case scenario happens? That helps you to kind of package your services in a way or your strategy in a way that can address both of those things, their fears and their desires. And then of course their values are important as well. And so there's a little bit of an alignment piece before between those first two where you want your core values and then what your ideal client values to be a big chunk, like 50% of your strategy. So then the next one would be in your brand personality that's going to be like your tone of voice. How do you speak? Are you casual? Are you witty? Um, are you very motivational? And then how are you going to engage? So setting up an engagement style that people can be used to. So are you engaging with your community on social media? Are you engaging with them primarily in their inbox? Are you engaging with them more so with in-person networking events and conferences? Like you want to set the tone for not only this is how I speak, but this is where you can expect me to show up. And then, of course, your client experience, taglines, slogans, all of that goes into your brand personality, right? And so then that fourth part of this successful brand strategy is going to be your positioning. So you're going to take all this information, all this research that you've done, all of these guidelines you've kind of set in place and expectations you've set for your clients. And then you're going to figure out where you're going to position that in the market. So this is where the competitor research comes in. Um, and competitor doesn't necessarily mean someone you're against. It just means someone who is your peer in the market, someone who's offering something similar to you. And so once you've got collected your competitor research, you want to make sure to find your unique value proposition. What is going to be your differentiating factor? Everybody has it. We can call it your secret sauce, your superpower, whatever you want to call it, your differentiating factor in the market. How am I going to uniquely address the needs that we've already outlined? And then the last piece is figuring out what you want to be known for. If somebody asked you, what is the one thing you want to be known for? When anybody walks away with any interaction with your brand, what do you want to be known for? And so once you've got all four of those pieces of the puzzle together, you have a really good, successful brand strategy that will guide all of the other decisions moving forward. Yes, I love that. And again, those are really like key foundational things in your business that you were consistently going back and revisiting. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I, you know, a lot of us, even as a storytelling strategist, that is such a huge, huge piece in storytelling is truly knowing your target audience. And we hear this all the time with good reason. And a lot of people assume that they know their target audience, but they don't. <laughs> They really don't, right? Like, I don't care how long you have been in business, whether it's three years or 20 years, like that is something that you are consistently refining. And I think, especially right now with 
our industry just things in the entrepreneurial space are changing. They have changed since 2020 to now consistently. And so there's a lot of things, even branding strategies that we thought worked before that certainly don't work now. And so these are key things that you have to keep going back to revisiting and changing, adjusting, right? Because also too, your client needs have also changed, right? With all of the different types of trends, like AI also playing an example now and these different types of things go back and really look at these things and how can you improve in these areas so that you're still consistently connecting with them. So I absolutely love that you brought it back to these foundational things because it doesn't matter how long you've been in business. These things will never, ever change. (laughs) And And if you've been in business for a long time, your target audience has also grown and matured. So if you were working with somebody between years one to three of their business and you've been in business 20 years, guess what? So have they. And sometimes Mm -hmm. I think we forget that our target audience is maturing and evolving and growing in their businesses alongside of us. Mm -hmm. So you have to get a little deeper. What we used to put out maybe and, and everybody was attracted to it. Guess what? Like now there's 15 other people doing that. So you have to find ways to stay true to yourself, but also evolve and grow and continue learning. I think that's the big thing as a business owner, like being stagnant and not taking in additional information, you'll get outdated. You don't want to be blockbuster (laughs) when everyone's on Netflix. Like keep learning, get on the wave, you know, and that doesn't mean trends though. That doesn't mean follow every trend. It does mean Learn the things that are going to make your job easier and make the process easier for your idol. Yes, 1,000, 1,000%. I love that because I think I remember just with my own experience, again, before I like was in the midst of working with you with my own brand, I got complacent. You know, you you easily, especially when like your brand, all, your brand is working for you and I wasn't doing a lot of those foundational things until it isn't. <laughs> you heard what I right. mean? And then I was like, uh, Bernal, I need help. <laughs> You know, yeah. because I was I was losing, you know, I was losing out on clients because of that. So again, I think it's something that you have to consistently revisit, whether that's every quarter or every year. So now, even as I plan for the new year, um, you know, I'm always going back and looking at these uh, key things. So I love everything that you shared within that. And so do you have any case studies that you want to share with us where you have seen, um, whether it's be the, like favorite brands that you love or clients that you've worked with that have literally seen an ROI with intentional branding, like they are crushing it all from their branding? Yeah, I the one that comes to mind, I mean, obviously you're crushing it <laughs> with your branding. I think it is interesting to note in when talking about the change and the the evolution of branding, we worked together a, almost a year apart with the two brands. So it was about nine months between the first brand project and the second brand project. And there were things I feel like even in my process that were refined a little bit better just in that nine months of like, Here's what we're going to do this time. Here's different tools that we didn't use necessarily for the revision process the first time that we're going to use now because they've come out and why not use them, right? A brand that I think is doing an incredible job with this, like I have done a deep dive, kind of obsessed with them, is the Olipop Soda brand. Um, Mm. Yes. Not only are they tasty, but I'm just very fascinated by the fact that you put out healthy soda options and everybody's grabbing one. Like the idea of healthy soda five years ago, we kind of sound nasty. <laughs> if somebody had told me, do you want a healthy soda? No. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> I do I need a healthy soda? And it's interesting because the way that they approached this was a lot of research. The owner, Ben, did a lot of like market research on his target demographic. And the target demographic, if you ever get a chance to study this brand, are consumers between the ages of 18 to 34 who were aware of this sugar crisis that we're having in America, right? They wanted to make healthier choices. They wanted a low sugar beverage. Um, they also surprisingly aligned with the demographic of people who were consuming kombucha. Like mm -hmm. that was a big craze. I don't know if you guys remember, right? Mm -hmm. So the pandemic, like everybody was sitting at kombucha breweries. Like, yes. um, and it is still a popular thing, but that target demographic, he looked at the market and realized these are people who will sit and spend seven, eight, nine dollars on a beverage because it's for their health, because it makes them feel better, right? Because there's a benefit. And so the way that that brand approached getting in front of their clients, because the beverage like industry in America is very saturated. Like mm -hmm. everyone knows Coca-Cola. Like when you say soda, <laughs> you think Coca-Cola. Mm -hmm. And so they went a totally different approach with that. They used three key brand strategies that I really feel like we could be using in our businesses today. And the first one was they were very clear on that unique value proposition and they highlighted their contrast immediately. So they didn't come out as like, hey, we have a new soda. They came out with like a healthy soda, a gut happy soda. So they started like immediately positioning themselves as like, we're a contrast to the word soda that you're familiar with. One of the ways that I think photographers could do that, right? Like you're a photographer, you have a camera, obviously that's been done before, but are you rethinking the way that you're going to approach their wedding day? Are you a content creator for their wedding day? Or are you documenting it in some sort of special way? Are you pulling the, the couple away and making sure that they get moments just for themselves? And if those are all the things you're already doing in your business, can you kind of position yourself in a way that highlights that contrast? Not your average approach to photography or not your average approach to graphic design. Here's how I approach it a little bit differently. Um, so that was the first one, really showing that high contrast. The second thing that I feel like Olipop did really, really well is they use their brand colors to, to attract people and to consistently show up different. Most of the soda brands are not bright orange and purple and yellow. And they came with these bright, fun, almost like nostalgic colors and designs on their Soda cans, which I think is very interesting because going back to that target demographic being 18 to 34, we're very big on Instagrammable moments, like very big on things that are aesthetic, that we can do product placement in our reels and our TikToks. And so I really think they thought through like, what is something that is going to look catchy? What is something that is going to kind of create this like home feeling for the, their target demographic? And it was those primary colors, those bright colors, those nostalgic kind of funky element, almost creative. If, if that, like, that's the word that comes to mind. Like it's a soda designed by some very creative people. And then the last thing that they did was they looked for a low cost, high exposure way to make the most impact. And I think that's very unique because a lot of times when we talk about big brands, especially with talking to small business owners, people are like, okay, Brunel, but I'm not Apple. Like, I hear what you're saying, but like, we don't have the budget Google has. Or, you know, like, great, that was a great Nike campaign, but we don't have nine videographers, you know, catching the shot. So how can you 
use these things as a solopreneur, as a person who has a small team, low cost, high exposure. So the way that Olipop did that was they did not target in-store sales first. So they didn't go to Whole Foods and Target and things like that as their first way of selling. They started as an e-commerce business. So they were selling on their own website and they were using the platforms that they owned and could control. When they launched their orange soda um, flavor, the primary way, like the biggest part of that launch was SMS messaging. So text messaging. Mm -hmm. So they sent out texts and made, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars based on SMS messaging before it ever hit the shelves in stores. So if you're at a point in your business where you're like, hey, I just can't invest anymore. Like I have a lot of my revenue is tied up in other things, right? We're going through inflation. Things are happening. We're scaling with our team, whatever it may be. Can you look for ways that you could use the platforms you already own for low cost, high exposure and, and still make an impact with your audience? So I get very excited about Olipop. <laughs> now I got a little one. I know, me too. <laughs> oh my goodness. That was so good because I was, as you were explaining everything, I'm thinking of myself of how I discovered Olipop. And it's so true. Just they were so intentional with the brand because I remember seeing it number one because it was, it was the coloring. I was, mm -hmm. I, I saw it in Target. I was walking by and I was like, oh, it was, it was like red. It was blue, like this lighter mm -hmm. blue. Really, it was very eye catching in the aisle. And then you saw it was like a probiotic. It was like gut health. It literally said like probiotic soda or something on it. It had the word probiotic on it. And I was like, oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. And I literally took it home and tried it. And then I was obsessed with it. But if you go back and break down a lot of these steps, number one, I love what you said. Again, it's really just foundational, really knowing your target audience, but really also looking at your competitors as your peers, like you said, but also to, it helps you identify the gaps. Honestly, that was just a perfect okay. example because it's true. When you do think of pop, you think of Coca-Cola, Pepsi, Sprite, right. whatever, but you certainly don't think of healthy soda. And then also to also heading into to an area that is slightly different with kombucha. It's still a beverage, but it's not a soda, right? Like they're two right. different things. So also I think it helps to sometimes look at other industries as well to gain your inspiration, to gain those innovative and original ideas that maybe not necessarily other people aren't talking about. And then being very, very intentional with the audience and their needs. And then also too, I think a lot of us, we have our brands and we see like our beautiful brand guide, but we may not necessarily know how to implement it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and they did so, your face said it all. You're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's something I see. I, I hand over these brand guides to people and I'm like, oh, that's how you used your colors together. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> but I mean, they're a prime example of how they were intentional too in the use of their actual brand where it really does align with their values. You're not questioning it. But then I loved what you said at the end of something that was a low cost to implement because it's true. We as business owners, we do see these big brands and we're like, well, I don't have the budget. So we're instantly feeling discouraged. So it's like, what are ways can you look at what you're currently doing now? That's a, that's a low lift for you that could potentially have huge rewards. And I think, again, it just goes to show um, just how powerful experimentation is in our business. Like they started small. They did it on their website, wanted to see analyzed, right? They made data-driven decisions before, you know, before they moved on to the next step. And that's why they are where they are now. And so that, I think that's so powerful. So many great key things that we can walk away with. And so for business owners that are experiencing setbacks in their branding strategy, right? Like maybe you do have a brand that you love and you feel really aligned with, but you're not seeing the results. What, how can, how can people navigate through that? 
Yeah. Um, well, we've already talked about market research. I know at this point in the podcast, you guys are probably like, we get it, bro. Like we're sending out <laughs> quizzes tomorrow. Um, but I also think it's really good to like learn from people who are open to telling you what's working and not working for them. So one of the things I'd love to do is I love to talk to other designers in my industry and just see like, hey, what worked for you last quarter? What did it work? And this isn't with the intention of copying that. This is with the intention of, is there a gap in the market? Because you can learn a lot from what people tell you isn't working. So if you're mm -hmm. talking to your other industry friends and they're like, yeah, like none of us are really able to see a lot of results from you know, this mass, these masterminds we're all putting out, how can you approach that a little bit differently? And so really, I, I love the way that you were saying, identify the gap. I think that's the main thing that you can do with your strategy. I also think it's, it's good to test things, not, you know, like you don't have to go super far off of your brand, but if you do have another idea, if you feel like you're, you love your brand, you love what it stands for, but you just aren't quite getting those inquiries and those leads that you used to get, why not put out something a little different, right? Just put it out, test it, attach the word beta to it, <laughs> like, you know, and, and let people know that like, hey, I am testing this thing to see if maybe this will serve you better than the way that I was doing it before. I think a lot of times we're scared to pivot, um, especially people who've been in business, I feel like over like seven to 10 years, like, there's this thing where it worked for me before, so why is it not working for me now? But but being open to just pivoting, trying something new and not being committed to the fact that it has to, you know, you trying something new doesn't always have to succeed. Like, and that yes. gets into mindset. So, you know, like if you're just trying something new to see if it could work and that's genuinely the way you approach it, you'll be surprised like what kind of innovative ideas you come up with. And I think too, not getting, not attaching our worth to the results as well, because, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think as well as business owners, we don't like to share when we're struggling. We don't like to bring people into the parts that aren't as perfect or maybe extremely messy. Um, if our business is struggling in any type of capacity, we don't like to share about it. We just like to share about here's this finished product right. or, you know, here's what I've been working on. And this is something I've just done. And, and. I don't think it has to be that way. I think really bringing people into that journey along with you and that transparency, yeah. I think number one, people respect that a lot more. And then two, I think it makes people trust you even more when they get to see the amount of work that you've put in to build something that's heavily going to yes. positively impact their lives. I'm more inclined to spend that my money on that because I'm like, I've been seeing the journey mm -hmm. from the beginning to here we are now seeing everything, the inner workings of it. Not only do I find that inspiring, but also too, I need to get my hands on this because I think it can help me. So I'm going to swipe my card. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I I think that's yeah. just so valuable within that. And I think, again, like I love what you shared with that because I think it's so important to experiment. It's so important to put yourself out there and just be opening to pivot because you really don't know where it's going to lead you. Yeah. And that's the beauty of entrepreneurship. That's why we got into entrepreneurship is to – just see how the, the journey unfolds. So I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I was looking for a vendor to do some work for me. And one of the things they told me that has always stood out to me is they said, so here's the thing, we're building the plane as we're flying it, but we would love to have you in on the building process. And mm. so I didn't expect perfection from the, you know, like it, it, it set the expectation. It let me feel like, okay, hey, you are interested in my feedback. You've already told me you're building the plane as you're flying it. So, you know, I'm not super, 
you know, thinking that it's going to be polished or all these things. And so that level of transparency made me invest in them. And then now they're this big booming business, but I feel like, hey, I was there at the beginning, you know, like I remember the groundwork there. And so you'll con continue to get my money um, because I know the blood, sweat and tears you put into this. And so I do say, to your point, we get very guarded as entrepreneurs, when things are not ready, and I'm I'm guilty of it too, guys, like very guilty. There's some things I've been working on for years that have never seen the light of day because I'm just like the public's not ready. Like it's not ready for the public. But in, in reality, I'm not ready, you know, to, to let it not be perfect and to build the plane as I fly it. Because guess what? Those people who are building the plane while they're flying it are still flying like they're still making money <laughs> you're sitting on this idea <laughs> and they're making money and you may have been further in the ideation process than they were but whoever gets to the execution portion of the project first is the brand that's going to be memorable so get those ideas out i love there. that Get those ideas out there, y'all. I love that plane analogy. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's so true. Like, you're going to be a passenger on this plane yeah. with me as I build it. Now, I don't know how comfortable the ride's going to be, right. but, but we're going to be this there. together. We're going to get you there, and we're going to do it together. So, Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And so with so much change within the, just the small business landscape, right, with, like I said earlier, with AI and, you know, so, uh, trends, you know, are there – how do you see that impacting – branding as we move forward, as things continue to evolve? Yeah. So me and you have talked a little bit about this in the past. Mm -hmm. AI is a scary thing, you know, scary good, <laughs> but just scary unknown. Yes. Um, I definitely think AI is making it easier than ever for everybody to become, I wouldn't say an expert, but to become a, you know, a novel, a, a novelist in things, right? So like, if you've ever had an interest in writing, you now have ChatGPT. If you've ever had an issue or had an interest in video editing or photo editing, you now have the Dolly tool. So these AI tools are making it easier than ever for the for more people to enter the industry. But I think maybe if we address it or look at it as how can it help me to enhance my client experience, it will be less scary, or at least that's what I tell myself. <laughs> how are you feeling about that as a, as a storytelling strategist? Yeah, you know, I think I think naturally everybody else when I first heard about AI because I didn't have the education on it, I was absolutely terrified. And especially when you kind of see the conversation surrounding it and everybody else is fear-based, so then you get fear-based. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, you know, I have to stop and do my own research. I have to step outside of this conversation really quick and do my own research. And I've said this before and I've said it again, the conversation that I'm seeing right now that's being had with AI is that people are saying, you know, it's not AI is not here to replace you. Yeah. It's the person that's using AI that will, right? And so for me, that was definitely like that light switch moment where I'm like, okay, how can I continue to improve my relationships with my clients? How can this save me more time to where I can actually work on aspects of my business that I am really good at, like my gifts, because that's what attracts people to me. So that's kind of the mindset too, that I have really been looking at it. And we've had very several, like we've had several AI episodes that have just been so impactful. And it just reminds me, you know, again, I feel like we're still underutilizing the platform, but we can utilize AI to make these strong data-driven decisions. And I think so many of us as business owners, we go off of our gut, which I'm guilty of. I still do, which I, I think there's nothing wrong with that. But I think um, when you 
as your business starts to grow and evolve and you're doing these different things, data is so important and it helps you make smarter decisions and AI can help you do that and, and in a short amount of time so that you can, you know, get back out there and do what it is that you need to do. So, you know, it's, it's scary, of course, but I'm leaning in and I'm, again, curiosity. I'm excited to see what it can do. Um, and I'm, I don't want to necessarily be left behind. And I don't mean that in a negative way, in a fearful way. It's the fact of what's going to bring me closer to my clients. That's how I'm viewing it. What's going to help me uh, create that relationship where they're coming back for more? What's going to help me, you know, when I'm not in the room, they're talking about my brand of how much they love it and the experiment experience that they had. Like that's the mindset that I'm viewing it as. So yeah. I hope that answers the question. It but. does. It does. And so there's two tools that I really want to tell you guys about that I feel like I've embraced <laughs> to kind of help mm -hmm. my process. The first one with ChatGPT is putting in a URL link. So like I test different pages on my website. I'll put in a URL link into ChatGPT and then I'll say, you are reviewing this website as a busy mom of three who has a photography business with wanting to attract more seniors in Knoxville, Tennessee. What do you think of this page? So I will put that into ChatGPT and ChatGPT will tell me like, oh, like it'll, it'll give me questions about things. It'll be like, well, what is this paragraph for? Or it'll say like, word this like this. And then I will say, given that knowledge, what keywords would you use? Or given that knowledge, how would you change the concluding paragraph? And so it's almost creating like fake target client <laughs> analysis um, because I'm having it to view and review my website as my target client or with that background in mind. The other tool that I'm really loving right now, it is called Cast Magic. And I am a person who loves to talk. Like if you've never met me before, just <laughs> off the cool, I love to talk. It's true. <laughs> yes. Like that is my thing. Right. Um, But I get really bad writers. Like if you sit me down to write something, I'm just like, oh, Okay, like what should I say? But if you were on the phone with me, if it was a podcast, if it was a YouTube video, I'm like, blah, 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 let's go. Um, so what Cast Magic allows you to do is you can upload an RSS feed or you can upload an audio file or a podcast URL or a YouTube URL. And it's not a transcription tool. It will form content based on the words. So you can upload a whole YouTube video and then you can say, create a workbook based on the tips that I gave in this YouTube video. And it will like chunk your content for you and create headings and subheadings. And it's just really, really nice for the people like me who like would rather talk than write. And it, it'll paraphrase things too. So you can say like, pull out five points from this podcast episode and it will automatically pull those out. And then you can take that to another AI tool and say, hey, you know, write me a paragraph now about each of these Five tips. So that's how it's really changed the game for me with repurposing content because I was on the struggle bus, guys. Like with the writing, <laughs> I was like, I had a hard time getting my tone across in written form um, to sound like my speaking voice. So look up Cast Magic if that's a struggle for you because it's pretty cool. 
Yes, I love that. I love that you have taken the time to find the tools that work for you and your business. Like you have really leaned into what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are. And you're like, all right, this weakness is exposing this gap in my business. So how can I solve that? And so you sat there, took the time to experiment with the tools that are really, again, going to propel your business forward. And now I'm sure you feel confident now with whatever it is that you're going to write because I'm the same way. Like I, I'm not a bad writer, but I'm not a good writer. So so I, speaking wise, I'm like, great. You know what I mean? So I'm definitely gonna have to check out that tool as well. But I love as well, um, how are you utilizing chat GPT? Because I feel like a lot of us are underutilizing it. And that's a really another unique way to just see how your website is actually doing and making those decisions based on the feedback that you're given to help improve everything. So this conversation has been amazing, Bernal. I love this. And so we always like to close out each episode with this question. What is the biggest differentiator between the businesses that succeed and the ones that fail? I think the biggest differentiator is planning. Mm. I think that the businesses that succeed spend time planning. Like they make a plan, they will adjust their plan. They're flexible, but there's a guide. I I don't believe in the flying by the seat of your (laughs) pants. I mean, there are some overnight sensations that, you know, just kind of flew by the seat of their pants. But I really do believe, like, if you fail to plan, you're going to fail. So, (laughs) we're done. Like, that's it. Point blank. (laughs) I wish it was, like, more of a drop the mic moment, but... You got to plan, guys. But it's true, though. I think a lot of us can relate when we were in our businesses like the first year or two. We truly are flying by the seat of our pants. But I think, again, as you start to evolve and if you're like, I want to hit these financial goals, you're not going to hit. And whatever your goals are or whatever success looks like to you, Mm -hmm. you're not going to hit those goals if you don't have a plan in place. And I'm not saying that that plan needs to stay, you know, completely the same. Of course, we don't know how the year is going to turn out. We don't know, but it's like you are being flexible, like you said, enough to just make adjustments, but you're still sticking to the plan. You're still sticking to the goals that you have. And I think that, like to your point, it's not the most, you know, sexiest answer, but it's it's the reason why your business will be here in five, 10 years later. So. Right. Because you planned for it. You know, I mean, got to aim at something. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, Bernal, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I have loved this conversation. And so for our audience who wants to connect with you further, where can they find you? Yes. Um, so you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Branded by Bernal. And then you can find me on my website at brandedbybrunel.com. And I love chatting with people. So slide in my DM. Again, she loves to talk, y'all. So you'll have no problem getting connected. <laughs> it is what it, it is. It is what it is. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Bernal, and thank you, everybody, for listening, and until next time. That ends our episode of the Independent Business Podcast. Everything we've discussed today can be found at podcast.honeybook.com. Head to our website to access for show notes, relevant links, and all of the resources that you need to level up. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast to make sure you never miss our future content. Drop us a review and leave our guests some love on social, and thank you again for listening.